Welcome to Pod Michigan, the Michigan-centric sports podcast by what I'm calling a logical fan's perspective. And on this podcast, we will discuss football and basketball and hockey and even a little bit of baseball. We will discuss college sports and we will discuss pro sports and it will all come from a logical fan's perspective why do i say logical fan because you know what during my day job i listen to sports talk like many of us do most of the day and i hear all these fans call into sports talk whether it be a local show, or a a national program, and fans just aren't logical when it comes to their favorite teams or their favorite players. And I hope this podcast, even though it may take a little bit of a hot take theater from time to time, I hope that this podcast will allow people to sort of see things from a I don't want to say neutral standpoint, but more from a logical perspective when it comes to their favorite teams. And you can probably imagine the vast majority of the conversations that will take place on this podcast will probably be mainly Lions, Michigan, Michigan State. But you know what? There's some rabid rabid Red Wing fans and Piston fans and even a little bit of growing Tiger fans to discuss in the illogic point of fandom. But hopefully you will understand my point of view. And if you absolutely positively disagree with what I say in each and every podcast you will have the opportunity to rebut what I have said or maybe what I angered you about. And you can do that by calling and leaving a voicemail at 810-363-9732. And the only caveat that I state to that is... Please do not use profanity on it, because if you do, I will not play it. But whether I agree with it or whether I disagree with what people call and record on the voicemail, as long as it doesn't have any profanity, I will play it on the following podcast so we can sort of get a virtual give and take going on the subjects that we're going to talk about. And there isn't anything more volatile than a sports disagreement. So it should be a fun podcast. At least I hope it is. And hopefully you all will enjoy listening to it, whether it's just because I anger you each and every episode with what I say, or whether... Maybe the one or two of you that might actually be shaking your head and going, yeah, you know what? He's right. But as I stated, we're going to talk a lot about the Lions, and we're going to talk about the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan State Spartans, Detroit Red Wings, 
Detroit Pistons, and yes, even the Detroit Tigers, and maybe occasionally from time to time we'll, we'll take a stab at a little bit of conversation about the directional schools, and maybe even a little bit more into the wider-ranging sporting events that take place here in the state of Michigan. So let us kick things off in grand style with sort of the granddaddy of the angst of Michigan sports fans, and that, of course, is the Detroit Lions. And this conversation is kind of going to be twofold, because there's a couple of things that, coming from a logical standpoint, and, and you might see me as a little bit of a dualistic personality in this conversation, because you might think I'm harping on everyone for being so negative, but then the next point that I'm going to make, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, now people that are trying to be positive, you're kind of poking at them. And that, in a nutshell, is your average Detroit Lion fan. As you all know, this past offseason, there was yet another wholesale change in the Detroit Lion organization. So much so that their franchise quarterback, Matthew Stafford, finally decided, you know what, enough is enough. I think I would like to get the hell out of here. So, owner, Sheila Hampford, general manager, new general manager, Brad Holmes, and new head coach, Dan Campbell, placated Stafford in that idea and traded him to the Los Angeles Rams. Now, let's go back a little bit and just kind of have a little bit of revisionist history for the past 12 years or so during Matthew Stafford's tenure here in Detroit as the Lions quarterback. He had a lot of detractors, as you may imagine. He had a lot of supporters, as you too may imagine. But one thing that he always was was very divisive when it comes to the fandom of the Detroit Lions. There wasn't that many people sort of in the middle that kind of didn't mind him but didn't love him. You either loved him or you hated him. And I have to admit that for the longest time, I was a huge Matt Stafford, oh, sorry, Matthew Stafford supporter, and I thought that he was going to be the piece that we finally got that would get us over that 70-year hump that we've all been in waiting for some sort of postseason success. Now, is he the greatest quarterback in franchise history? I mean, it's hard to debate. Hard to argue that he isn't, even though he didn't win any playoff games. He probably is the greatest person that has ever been under center for the Detroit Lions. But as I just stated, he never won a playoff game. And I know what some of you are going to say out there. Well, he never had the pieces around him. Well, you know what? Yes, he did. Maybe not all at once, maybe not in the perfect storm situation, 
but there were times that he had plenty with him in order to be successful in the postseason. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say he never had a great running game. Well, you know what? For the most part, he did not. But there were times where he had a workmanlike running game. Reggie Bush come to mind. And there were times when he didn't have any running game whatsoever. Pretty much most of the time. So I'll, I'll grant you that one. He didn't have the pieces around him. That's the main thing you hear the Stafford supporters say. Well, you know what? He had arguably one of the greatest wide receivers in NFL history for his entire career. And, well, for the majority of his career. It's a one extra year that Kelvin played here without Stafford. But, yeah, he had Kelvin Johnson. I mean, how many other, how many Super Bowl winning quarterbacks out there have won? How many, how many quarterbacks that aren't considered superstars, aren't considered elite, won a Super Bowl without a wide receiver of the caliber of Kelvin Johnson? I mean, you can think Brad Johnson, did, did he have a, an elite wide receiver? Keyshawn Johnson, great receiver in his day, but would he be considered elite? No. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Did he have any upper echelon to elite wide receivers to throw the ball to? No, he didn't. And I know what you're thinking right now. You're going to say, well, Dilfer and Brad Johnson both had fantastic elite defenses. Well, you know what? Matt Stafford also, for a while, had a pretty close to an elite defense. And a, a defense that was good enough to rank second in the league in 2013, I believe. The defense that had Fairley and Sue and, and all those players that were great at the time. But that didn't result in any playoff victories. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to say they got screwed by the referees in that Dallas playoff game. So, well, you know what? It was a terrible call. But Matt Stafford, sorry, Matthew Stafford had the ball two more times after that screwed up call to march the team down the field and kick a field goal, score a touchdown, and did he? No, he did not. And that's what elite quarterbacks do. When you need to make a play, you make a play. And throughout his 12 years in Detroit, Matthew Stafford never, ever did that with or without elite players around him. That is what elite quarterbacks do. And I know now that he's gone to L.A. and everybody is blowing up about how great he is now that he's not in Detroit, that we're finally going to see the greatness that is Matthew Stafford. And it doesn't help my argument that the Rams have started things off 
3-0, and and he looks like gangbusters. But you know what? The NFL season isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. So let's revisit Matthew Stafford near the end of the year and see exactly how he turns out to be in his new home of Los Angeles. Because I have this sinking feeling that he's going to come back to Earth and sort of, and I always hated the, the phrase Pad Stafford because I didn't really think that was fair to him because he is a good quarterback. I just don't think he's great or elite. But in this situation, let's wait for Stat Padford to sort of find his ground find the 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 imaginal line if you will and see if he continues this elite play throughout the entire season because the Rams do have a great defense they do have a very good wide receiver crew but you know what they don't really have right now and that's something that we've been hearing the last 12 years in Detroit they don't really have a running game so once a defense sort of shifts their focus to stopping the pass. Let's see how Matthew Stafford adjusts to that. And if he does it in L.A. and he does have success and wins a playoff game and, and dare I say, make it to the Super Bowl, then I will come on here and say, you know what? Maybe it was Detroit's fault and not Matthew Stafford's. But until that point, I don't think the Stafford lovers out there should cast all the blame on the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford not winning one single playoff game in 12 years here in Detroit. If you'd like to respond to that take, or maybe you have a take of your own or a rebuttal to me, let us know at 810 363-9732, and I will play your response, your rebuttal, on the next podcast. And speaking of the Lions and screw jobs, that brings us back to this past week's game against the Baltimore Ravens, where... The majority, not everybody, but the vast majority of Lion fans have been screaming and hollering on how they got screwed again by the NFL because of a NFL record game-ending field goal of, what was it, a 148-yard field goal or 67-yard field goal, and... They're crying because there wasn't a delay of game. And then they were also crying that the Detroit Lions called a timeout to give Baltimore a chance to sort of regroup and get the correct play call for the fourth and, what was it, 16 call? So let's back up a little bit before we get to the final plays of the game. Let's go back, oh, say about almost nine months when 
Sheila fired Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia and gave us all that speech about how things were going to be different, how they were going to bring back respectability and this, that, and the other in the organization. And it started with hiring or bringing in sort of our our Mount Rushmore of great lions in Chris Spielman into to sort of oversee or whatever it is that he does. I don't really exactly know what Spielman does for the team, but having him in the building every day can't help because I there isn't one Lion fan out there that I know that dislikes or didn't like Chris Spielman as a player. And then they hire Brad Holmes as the new general manager and Dan Campbell as the new head coach. And we're not even going to talk about the whole biting kneecaps and all the stuff that Dan Campbell does. But people had optimism about what this team may accomplish. And we, we kind of do that with every hiring. And as Lions fans, we, we, we know that, that there's a lot of hiring. So we're hopeful that this happens this time with Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell. And you know what? They didn't really get a lot inherited to work with. And we all seem to be accepting of the fact that this was going to take a couple of years to sort of hopefully turn the ship around. And it was obvious when the preseason happened and and we saw the first couple of games that 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 the, the talent just wasn't there and we knew it was going to take time to turn this ship around or bring it up from under the water or however you want to word it and then we get to this week's game and you know what before we even get to this week's game we saw signs in the first week where that first half of the 49er game, they just looked like the same old Lions. They looked like they were going to suck. And then the second half happened, and they fought, and they clawed. They didn't quit like they did so many times the previous three years under Matt Patricia. They didn't quit. They kept fighting, and they they lost, but they made it semi-respectable. And I know the cynics out there will say, well, you you know what? The 49ers were already on the plane going back to San Francisco. That's how they came back. Yeah, but that's not the point. The point is the Lions didn't quit in that game. They kept fighting. They kept clawing. Week two, they started off like gangbusters. And kind of had a fall off in the second half, so they lost to Green Bay. Now that brings us to this week's game, this past week's game against the Ravens. Again, it sort of looks like it's kind of a theme here. Play good one half, play crappy the next half, and it's been like that all three games. They look terrible in the first half. Then the second half, they actually looked fairly respectable. and. This is one thing I'll I'll argue with people about. They've been ripping on how amateurish, how horrible the defense looks. Well, you know what? 
all in all, against a former, just a couple of years ago, MVP of the entire league that people say is hard to game plan against. And of course, I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. Well, you know what? I think the defense played fairly well against him. They 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 kept him hemmed in, if you will. And to only give up 19 points to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, I thought was a workmanlike idea. Was was there room for improvement? Yes. Is there going to be room for improvement this entire season? Yes, there is. Now, this is where your typical Lion fan comes in and sort of ruins everything because they've all been saying all this time, we got to be patient. We know it's going to take time. They're going to suck this year. And then we get to the last minute and six seconds of the Ravens game when the Lions looked like they had the game in the bag and they kind of sort of did have the game in the bag but they called a timeout on fourth and 19 or whatever it was and everyone is screaming about that why would Dan Campbell call a timeout that just gave Baltimore the chance to regroup and get everything together and complete the pass Well, you know what? That's not something specific to the Detroit Lions. All sorts of coaches do that in the NFL. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. You don't know. Only the coaches and players know. But I will sit here and argue that it's not unique to Dan Campbell or the Detroit Lions because it happened later on that night in the Green Bay-San Francisco game, and it happens every single week in the NFL. It just happens. Why they do it, I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm just saying it wasn't a screw-up on Dan. Maybe it was a screw-up on Dan Campbell's part, but you know what? He's not the only head coach that does it. All sorts of coaches in the NFL and NCAA and, and every form of organized football do it so it is what it is did they make a terrible play in allowing lamar jackson to complete that pass absolutely they did should they have done that in fourth and 19 or whatever it was no they shouldn't have should they have rushed three people probably not they probably should have stuck with rushing four but they did So you know what? It's a growing pain. As we stated, when the season started, we're going to have to be patient. And this is where your typical Lion fan comes out. Then we have the play. Well, actually, you know what? Before we even get to the play, I actually heard somebody on Sports Talk call in and say, well, you know, that should have been an intentional grounding for throwing the ball out of bounds. No, actually, it's not. It's the exact same thing as if he would have just went under center and spiked the ball into the ground. It's just another way to kill the clock. It's perfectly legal. Now we get to lining up for that spike of the ball and the missed delay of game. Did the officials blow that call? Absolutely they did. Should it have been a delay of game? 
absolutely it should have. But you know what? They didn't call it. So that doesn't mean that everyone has it out for the Detroit Lions like I've been hearing everybody say. Just the Lions getting screwed again, just like in the playoff game, just like in the the Kelvin complete the process thing. No, that sort of stuff happens. You know, officiating isn't perfect, and it seems to be getting worse as time goes on. I don't know. That's a debate for a whole nother day. But you know what? It doesn't just happen here in Detroit. Ask the New Orleans Saints what it's like to get screwed by the officials. They kind of lost a chance to go to the Super Bowl because of a bad officiating call. Bad officials, bad officiating calls happen in every single game of every single season in every single year. It's not just centralized around the Detroit Lions to keep the Detroit Lions in our fan base down. It's just another situation where it's sort of amplified. And I think a lot of the angst is, and I read these on social media people saying, nobody is saying anything about that. Yeah, I mean, granted, I will give you that, that it doesn't get talked about a lot because Detroit isn't one of the premier franchises. If it happened in New Orleans or Dallas or somewhere like that, Pittsburgh, then it would have been talked about a lot more than it is. Was it a bad call? Yes. Did it cost them the game? Probably. I don't think five more yards would have allowed Justin Tucker to kick that NFL record field goal. But you can't on one hand say that this team sucks. You hope they lose every game so they get a great draft pick. And then blow your cork when they have a game in hand and lose it by an act of God, I suppose, is the best way to put it. How many times in NFL history have teams lost by a 67-yard field goal? Never before. There's always a first for everything, folks. Unfortunately, the Detroit Lions... And yes, I will admit that we seem to be the first for a lot of these things. But you know what? It happens. It happened. I choose to look at the positives of this year, because that's really all I'm looking for this year from this football team, is something to, to look forward to, a, a brighter horizon, if you will. I saw improvement albeit minor improvements, in the defense this week. If it sustains, I think we're heading on the right path. I like the way the offense performs at times. Granted, there's not a single receiver of note that Jared Goff can throw the ball to, but I think they're on the right path. So I'm being patient with this team. I'm not going to get all butthurt because we lost by a 67-yard field goal in a game that 
the Detroit Lions probably had no business even having the opportunity to win, much less losing in that fashion. So, I choose, at least for now, to look at the positives of the game. Was I disappointed? Absolutely I was disappointed. I wanted them to get their first win. And, hopefully, it'll come this week against Chicago. If you'd like to respond to that take about the Lions, or my take about Matthew Stafford, leave us a voicemail at 810-363-9732. We will revisit it on the next podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you downloaded it at. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Pod Michigan. And until next time, it's fourth and inches on your opponent's 40. Are you kicking the field goal? Are you going for it? Or are you punting?